what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on TheMesh.tv. Brothers in Tech is our ongoing technology discussion show with a special focus on looking at home technology or family technology or just ways to make your own personal life more efficient and making better use of the technology around you. Uh, I am one of the Brothers in Tech, Alan Jackson, with me, the other Brothers in Tech, uh, Brian Jackson. How you doing, Brian? Good, Alan. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing all right. Yeah. We are uh, we are recording this. This is kind of a bonus episode. This is not yeah. one of our typical themes that we try to do on a monthly basis. This is just something given uh, at, at the time of this recording and given some of the changes I think people are experiencing and some of the uncertainty, we felt it was a kind of an appropriate thing to jump in and talk about. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, with COVID-19, with uh, kind of the pandemic going on in the world right now, a lot of people are finding themselves uh, still working, but maybe working from home for the first time uh, ever, yeah. or maybe uh, n- maybe they've worked from home in the past, but not for quite the, like, the extended period of time that this possibly could be. Yeah. At the time yeah. of recording here, this is in late March, and we're kind of right in the thick of it right now. But uh, we yeah. thought this might be a good good time to be a resource for people and maybe need some help or advice on the best ways to to work from home. Right, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, those that are those that are potentially choosing to work from home, and those that, quite honestly, are being forced to work from home. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we we give uh, some advice um, because it's not it's not always an easy transition. And um, yeah. you know, as as easy as it may seem like it is, there's all sorts of little techie quirks that I think that we potentially could give some tips to try to uh, head off at the pass. So. Um, yeah, I think this is great. Hopefully we can help some people out in the time that uh, mm. they're being kind of uh, put into this uh, unique situation. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we're going to, it's a little less scripted on this episode. We're really just, Brian and I have a lot of, a lot of notes and ideas and things from you mean, our own you mean experience. Less, less prepared. Is less what you prepared, mean. which okay. <laughs> less prepared than normal, which is very little prepared. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, no, but Brian and I both have enough experience working from remote locations. I mean, we're both working from remote locations as we as we record this. Um, you know, remote remote locations, working on the road, working from home. So a lot of these same practices kind of apply. So Brian, let's let's kind of start off and before we get into more of the technical side of it, let's talk more about what we've kind of just seen from a workplace and work environment around us. Uh, what are what are some things we what are some things Brian you recommend when you know you're well, going to be working from home? What do you need to do first off to kind of get yourself set up? Yeah, and this is something I, I I'll be honest with you I struggled with for quite a while because I I obviously do work from home a decent amount. I try to get work done while I'm at home, but one of the one of the hardest things that you're going to have is if you don't have a dedicated office, which you know there are people who don't have a dedicated mm-hmm. room. To be able to to pull away from uh, from others that might have to also be working in your house or children or things that let's just say things that don't have your same objective in mind. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's really important to find that special space, right? That separate space that's going to mm-hmm. be give you the privacy. For me, 
you know, I ended up moving my office, well, which of course before was a desk in the middle of our living room. Uh, I moved that upstairs recently so that I could, um, I could work uh, in a small space, mm-hmm. have some privacy, uh, not bother my wife, who is also going to be having to do some work from home and mm-hmm. make sure that we each have our own space. So I think finding that, uh, that space where you feel comfortable working, um, but that you also feel like you can pull away from others in your house mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you're comfortable doing your work, I think is pretty important. So I think to me, that's step number one, find the space. Yeah where you feel like you can be separate and um, be able to concentrate uh, and not have to kind of have the, uh, the interruptions that may, uh, may kind of put your, uh, your work on pause. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's just, again, it's kind of realizing you're now in a different environment, trying to do the same thing you were doing in a different place before. Uh, It's almost like you're trying to recreate that other environment as, as best you can. Your office environment. If your office environment was set up where you were able to really be focused and you kind of had your own privacy around you, try to mimic that the best you can in your home environment. It does make it a lot easier for the transition. Um, On that same note, Brian, kind of resembling what it is you had at your office environment, I know for me personally, and I think maybe you're the same way, at my office I have a second monitor where I work Mm -hmm. off of my primary, but I have a second monitor because I tend to always need that. Uh, it's really important for me to have that same exact monitor set up at my home office because it's really jarring to go from two screens in my office, in my work office, to one screen on my home. And things that I was used to seeing in two different places or having windows spread out, I'm now having to see jammed into one spot. So I made sure I had a second monitor at my home. And actually, it's yeah. the exact same monitor I've got at the office. I made sure I get the got the same size. So honestly, when I unplug from the home, the work office, and I go to the home office, plug into the monitor, everything looks exactly the same. Everything is laid out the same way. I don't need to rearrange windows or change anything around. That was really important for me, and I think that's helped yeah. a lot in the transition process. There. No, I think I, that's a to me that is incredibly important. And if you're someone who's who's not worked with a second screen before, maybe you're used to, maybe you have a desktop computer at your work and you have a laptop that you try to use from home. And maybe that's been fine because your main work happens on the big desktop monitor and you get home and all you need to really do is reply to a couple of emails. Well, now you're potentially in a place where you might need multiple screens up or multiple windows up at the same time. Um, I think a second, second screen or an extended uh, monitor I've been yeah. really happy with how that's helped my workflow. Yeah. Um, for example, email, which I unfortunately will keep up almost all the time, you know, looking for what things that are coming in to be able to respond to. I can now put that on my laptop monitor, put it to the side, mm-hmm. and it's there when I need to look at it. But now I have the ac- external monitor as where I'm actually doing the work, maybe two documents side by side. Maybe I'm trying to pull information from one to the other. So I, I actually find my work increases my work productivity increases when i have uh, a little bit more desktop space to work with uh, mm-hmm. digitally um and i just i wanted to to say if you've got the capability of having an external screen try it use it uh, if you have a monitor at home extend your desktop if you don't the other thing that i might suggest is you know you can do this in other ways too maybe your can airplay to a, a tv that you have in a room that you're not using. Um, You might be able to, um, if you're someone in the Apple ecosystem and you have a tablet, 
there's now a you know an app called Sidecar, mm-hmm. which allows you to put your iPad next to your laptop, extend the screen so that your mouse can go over to that screen and it's be able really to cool. put things aside. It's very it's, cool. Um, there's a lot of little ways of doing that of screen yeah. kind of extension, um, and I and I would highly advise looking into that because going home and having to do all your normal work on a smaller screen could potentially cause you problems with headaches of being able to, you know, stare at a smaller screen, but just not feel as though you're able to do things efficiently. Just really the message is try to mimic your, your typical office work environment yeah. from a screen and layout standpoint as much as you can at home. So there's less yep. disruption going back and forth yeah. between the two. Um, I think it mimic, mimic it or even make it better. Quite honestly, well, this yeah, may be an true. opportunity you for you to realize better. that, yeah. Hey, but at home, you know, at work I have a, I have a desktop computer, but at yeah. home, I potentially could have two screens, which actually I may find makes my workload, uh, workflow work true. a lot more effectively. So, Yeah, two screens. I mean, honestly, if I had my way, I would get a, a third screen in my, yeah. my office because yeah. I, I find enough uses for that screen real estate for sure. So, Yep, yeah. yep, for sure. Um, um, yeah, what, what else, Brian, so, about well, the kind so, of the workplace you know, Going back again to trying to make things as close to work as possible, uh, one of the things that I struggle with is so, you know, there's there's some positives from working from home, right? There's some positives in that now I don't have the commute time, you know, that I have to build into my day. But the downside of it is that if you are in your work, if you're in at home trying to do work, you mm-hmm. also are being pulled of all the other things that you try to do in your home, mm-hmm. you know, okay, there's that thing. I can see that my yard needs to be mowed. I can tell that I need to clean this room. I need to do different things. Yeah. And it may become very easy to get distracted uh, and pulled away from that. So my advice would be create a calendar, create a mm-hmm. schedule and actually make it. So this is my work time. Yep. You know, I've done so far done that with uh, my wife and I've done that where we say, okay, you know, I'm heading to work, which means it's going upstairs <laughs> and I have a certain number of hours that, you know, I'm going to be working and yep. she's going to be working. And then we'll have after work time to be able to do the things that we need to do. It's just, it's nice and that we can take those breaks and those breaks are a lot more enjoyable at home than they were at work. Sure. Um, but I do think it's important to kind of put yourself a, a, a calendar to where you're you actually uh, mimicking some work hours. No, I, I completely agree. It's tough. It is really tough yeah. to do, but it's really, really helpful if you can make yourself structured like that. I say even go a step further when it comes to your time and scheduling. If you are in a work group and you everybody kind of needs to be aware of each other's schedule, well, if you're working in a physical work office, it's a little easier to know is somebody there in their office or not and are there in a meeting or not. When you're working remotely, you don't know. You don't know if your coworkers right. are in a call. You don't know if your coworkers are in a meeting, if you're needing to contact them or talk to them. So I think just like with the hours of work, I think it's important to also keep up your online calendar. If you have any kind of shared calendar or mm-hmm. calendar that other coworkers look at, keep it up to date. Keep it just like you're there physically in the office. Like I'm on a call at this time. I'm in a meeting at this time. Because again, if people are trying to reach you or people need to talk to you or call you, you know, you don't want to be a kind of a hit or miss. They hope they can catch you because you're not in the the office. They don't have the luxury of walking by your office to see if you're there or, or dropping in to ask you a question. So keeping your work calendar up to date and shared with whoever has access to that calendar becomes even more important, I think it is, than it is in a physical work environment. So yeah, um, no, I agree. Very, very I tough. agree. And then let me just, I'll just mention this last one. This has nothing to do with technology, nothing to do with equipment, but 
uh, kind of along the same lines, Brian, what you were saying about the, the scheduling your work hours and really treating it like you're going to work. Um, it means get dressed too, you know, just, uh, dress like you would dress, like you're going to work. Um, I know people look at it and they think it's great to work in your pajamas or, you know, not wear anything at all. I mean, who knows, whatever your lifestyle is. Yeah. But I, I do think there's some science and logic behind the idea that if you don't feel like you're working, your your brain is not geared for working. And I think your yep. dress and prepping for work is just as important um, as anything else. So Yeah, no, I honestly think this is incredibly important. And especially since you are on this podcast shirtless right now, which I think is just disgusting. <laughs> See, um, but I really would have appreciated you to give me a heads up of that. Do, um, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, it's a, it's all about comfort too, right? Um, no, I think you know the more you can pretend like you are doing things yeah. at work, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's going to be very easy to kind of get sucked into the well. You know, I can just cruise into my office in my house to do work and then cruise out and go yeah. back and forth. Having a you know a set schedule of all right, let's go into work time, you know, yeah. and dressing. Maybe not dressing up like you normally do to work, right, but certainly but preparing least, yourself you for know. this is this is time where I'm actually yeah. working and and of course when we get to video conferencing in a minute, yeah, it certainly helps, to, helps uh, well. to look more professional as you're doing it. Well, to try you to know, with, keep that semblance, you know. I have two boys that you know live at the house that are that are school age kids. I mean, they're older, but they're still living at the house. And I mean, my wife and I, my wife works from home eighty percent of the time, so she's kind of more of the pro at this than I am even. We both have a standing rule with the kids where we just say, look, eight o'clock, we're working. I mean, we may just be yeah. in this next room. We may be in the office there, but that doesn't mean that we're all around and accessible in the house. We are working. It'd be just like if we were down the street working in a building. Um, we'll take breaks. We'll have our lunch. You know, we'll check in on things, but we're still working. So we just ask everybody else in the house to respect that as well. And it's, yeah. it takes a little while, but I mean, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yep. Yeah, but these are unique times, so they require it some, it's very some structure. Odd. Having everybody at home at the same time for days on end is not something we're used to. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more specifically about some of the equipment and kind of needs that we find that are a little more useful or things we need to just keep in mind while we're working from home, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I've got one, Alan, and, and, okay. and this one actually came um, – came to be uh, helpful for me just recently. So when I, when I saw that uh, I'm in the education field, when we started to move things to online mm-hmm. uh, teaching and it became mandated in the last um, you know, week and a half, the, uh, the first thing that I did is call my internet provider and wanted to check on my internet speed and try to see whether or not it would be um, cost effective to upgrade that speed because mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, it could be nothing more frustrating than trying to do video conferencing and trying to do more work from home and having it be sluggish to where I'm going to be frustrated. Um, So this is kind of my tip for all of you is that um, I would certainly get in the habit. And this is probably a good thing, even without this kind of crisis to every so often call your internet provider, call your cable provider, call your phone service and just tell them that you're thinking of leaving them and see if they can help you out to try to enhance what you have. Uh, in my case, um, not to get techy about it, but you know, we have a 30 meg up and down uh, service at our house that we were paying for only internet. I called them to see what would be the next step up that I could go. And um, 
turns out by the end of the call, I enhanced mine from 30 to 50 and I'm actually paying $16 less a month than I was before. So they had a feature out there. They already had a new service that they just obviously didn't inform me about, which I think these uh, companies are notorious (laughs) of doing. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, they're not calling me to say, can we charge you less? We'd like to Um, make less money off of you and give you more. Is that okay? Right. So, you know, I would say I'm paying less than I was before. I'm getting a faster internet. And I think that uh, during this crisis, there's a lot of companies that are actually running better deals because well, they know that they need a better internet uh, experience for you. So, it's well, especially, you know, kids doing a lot of online learning for, uh, at yep. home, that ties up a lot of bandwidth. And yeah, I, I think it's a good time to be approaching. Just be mindful that as of the time we're recording this, uh, I guarantee there's a lot of people making those calls and having sure. those conversations. So it may not be as a quick a, a thing to, to do as you'd like, but I think it's a good time to at least approach it if you feel like yep. your internet speed could be impacted. And really, the biggest places you're going to see internet slowdowns that could be frustrating, uh, video conferencing, you could see some yep. real hiccups with that. If your kids are doing online learning or training through uh, you know cl- uh, video class classrooms, which my kids are doing right now, that ties up a lot of bandwidth. Um, so just a couple things to keep in mind that you know you're really going to notice it. Video mm-hmm. streaming, video conferencing are going to eat up a lot of bandwidth, and if you're finding it really sluggish and impacting your ability to work, then you definitely want to see if what you can do about increasing the speed. Well, and this may be the one time where you. Uh, start to notice that there is a difference between download speed and upload speed. That's right. You know, normal, normally we are, we are consumers of internet, right? You come home and you're pulling things in, you're streaming things in. Well, now you're in a work environment where me as an educator, I'm going to be uploading videos. Mm -hmm. I'm going to record a video, upload it. Right. So now I need speed to actually get it up on the web. And, uh, so it might be important. You might be paying for a service that you feel like, oh, this is really fast internet, but maybe you haven't had to look at the upload speed, which might be brutally slow. Uh, well, so checking on that. So. Probably the most common use right now for upload speed or app upload and download speed simultaneously is video conferencing. When right. you are video conferencing with someone, a two-way video conference, uh, that is equally using your download and upload speed because it's not only mm-hmm. downloading what you see coming to you, but you're uploading your own video up to the web as well. So that's normally the biggest culprit when you see video conferencing speed slow down. It's because the upload speed's not that great on your connection. Yeah. Like, for yeah. example, we have a 100 megabit download with at our home right now, but it's only like a 10 upload. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we may be able to download stuff really, really fast. We don't have any problem with video streaming, but the minute we try to do a video conference, we can see the quality gets knocked down and, uh, that's because our upload speed is not very, very good. So um, that's something good to keep in mind. Yeah, um, I agree. On that same note about kind of speed and just better way to be connected, I know wireless is great. Wireless is super uh, easy and it's yep. just convenient. Every device you can get now has wireless built in. So if you have a Wi-Fi home network, you can do internet anywhere and that's awesome. However, if you are in a office in your home, like a static location where you, that's where you're going to do a huge bulk of your work. And you are doing a lot of video conferencing or you're doing a lot of uh, streaming of video or anything else or uploading of video or files to people. Um, You may want to consider looking at going with a wired connection, if at all Mm -hmm. possible to your device. And what we mean by that is if your device has an ethernet, you know, kind of the, the, the fat phone cable looking cable, 
and you're you're near your it's your modem or your router wherever you're getting your internet from and it allows you to plug in a hardwired connection to it uh, you're going to have much much stronger more reliable signal no matter what you always are right wireless is always susceptible to interference is susceptible to range how far away you are from the router all of that wired is pretty much a constant or for the most part a very solid mm-hmm. constant connection to your internet so uh definitely for video conferencing uh if you're going to be doing a lot of video webinars seminars leading meetings uh, on a regular basis and you're doing it from one consistent location in your your home office I really would strongly encourage you to look at getting a wired connection to your cable modem or uh, router or whatever device you're connecting to get the internet. Uh, I think you'll find a much more uh, uh, consistent experience there. Would you agree with that, Brian? Yeah, totally. I mean, if you if you have the capability, wire it, and you know it's just going to be so much so much cleaner. Um, you know, there's many times where I mean, you kind of think of it this way: if you had a a water spigot. And you had that water spigot divided across ten different sub spigots, right? Yep. And it's it's flushing it all out. That's what Wi-Fi is doing. And if one requires a little more, it pulls from some of the others. Whereas if you had two spigots, one of those spigots is directly to where you want it to go. That's what the wire is going to do. So yeah. that's going to continue to get the internet. Um, and you know, I'd say if you can't do that, let's say you're not close to uh, your modem, uh, you might even want to. There are some ways you can even go into some of the um, the Wi-Fi routers and actually tweak them to be able to say this particular connection, which is my computer, that gets first dibs. You know, there are ways that some of those uh, mesh routers might be able to do that, where you can say um, this particular you know IP address, which I have, is going to be mine, and I want that to be first dibs across anything that's pulling information. So right, yeah, kind of um, getting you know, like a priority setting to certain devices. Yeah, so. yeah, there are certain Wi-Fi routers that will allow you to do that. It's a little bit more, you know, that's a little bit more uh, in depth of what you have yeah. to do, but there might be some ways that you can make it so that your computer gets the gets the internet and everything else takes a back seat yeah, if there's something competing. That so. is good. That's honestly something I don't do and I probably need to consider adding yeah. uh, now yeah. nowadays cuz Two uh, two teenage boys living at home. Yeah, they're doing their schoolwork, but they're also playing a lot of video games and they're a lot of right. doing a lot of online chat with their friends. That sucks down a lot of bandwidth. I probably need to make sure that my wife and I, our computers are a little higher priority during the workday. So good yep. call on that. Yep. Another yep. thing on the little more technical side, and again, this is just if you're someone who can do this and feels comfortable with this, Routers or wireless routers or your home router that manages your internet connection, it's typically either something provided by your service provider or something you bought yourself and connected up to your physical line. Um, You do want to make sure that those routers are up to date. You know, um, there's new firmware that comes out, new software updates for these routers that to make them run smoother and to keep them more secure. Um, if you have, if you know how to access your router, either through like a web interface, um, that's typically the way you would do it. Or maybe a mobile app, like my Google Wi-Fi network at home, I have a mobile app to control it. You want to make sure it's up to date. You want to make sure that there's a place to check for updates or download any new firmware. That's going to keep your router not only more secure, which is always good, keep it up to date security wise, but may even work out some details of getting you the best possible speed you can get out of your router. So yeah. uh, I do recommend kind of 
checking in on that and making sure that it's up to date. And I typically try to get in a habit like every few days of just restarting the router just in general, just to kind of flush out anything that may be slowing me down or kind of keeping my connection from being the best it can. Just powering it down for a few minutes and powering it back up uh, maybe once a week or so. It may be a little overkill yep. for me, but it's something I do just to to make sure I'm not building up anything on that router that's going to be slowing me down over time. Yep. Good call. Yeah. Yep. You know, on that really quick on that note, Alan, um, I've found that it's also helpful if you're now going to be working from home every day and um, you've got a computer now set up at home. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, they maybe have a laptop they're bringing home and then it's accessing the the Internet and then going away and coming back. I've actually found that it's much cleaner for me to even turn my computer off at night yeah. and have it restart in the morning oh, yeah. to clear clear out some of the connections that it has, given that I'm going to have to be doing these things, these high intense uh, video yeah. conferencing. It's true. Uh, to me, it's just, I'm, I'm even going to go in and maybe set up the schedule for it to automatically restart itself, you know, at 2 a.m. Might as well. So that yeah. I know I have something. Um, because, you know, again, I could have set it up perfectly yesterday but something's happened in the meantime that now that video conference looks really, really bad and I need to quit a lot of other applications. So yep. I think I doing agree. a restart on Wi-Fi maybe once a week, doing a restart on your computer probably every morning just to make sure you're starting out with uh, clean settings, I think is helpful. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hey, Brian, what's some like additional supplies or equipment maybe that's needed if you don't have it already to really make sure you're working from home really well? Yeah, well, one one that I would, I would suggest in this, probably is not necessary for people, okay. uh, but it could be beneficial. And I decided to do it. it was to buy an external uh, webcam. You know, most computers have a webcam built into them. Yeah. But the problem with it is that it is in a place that usually we're a little hunched over looking at this, you know, oh, camera. True. It's not that uh, Mainly clean the of ones a way built of doing into like, You're talking about the ones built into like a laptop. Yeah, the laptops. Top yeah, the a laptops. lot of the laptops are obviously, it's they have not always them the on best there, which angle. is great. Yeah. Which is great for mobile uh, mobile computing and being able to get uh, quick, inf- uh, quick uh, access to a camera. But I bought an external um a webcam, uh, one that I can put on top of this external monitor that yep. I'm using now. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it more natural for me to look okay. straight ahead when I'm on these, uh, video conferencing. Uh, this one, actually, I bought one that had a little light on it so oh, that nice. I can even, I don't have to turn a, you know, a blinding desk, desk light, light on in my face sure. so that people can see me at night. Um, and they're, they're incredibly inexpensive. I think this one was maybe $25 okay, that good. I bought, but, um, it's a little better image than I have on my uh, laptop yeah. and it provides a little more comfortable way. I don't have to be slumped over to look at the, uh, the camera yeah. bending my neck down. I can be to take a little bit more uh, natural posture. So I would suggest uh, an I external would, webcam if you can. I would definitely say if you are in a, a role, your job, your, your uh, career where you are on the video cam- camera or going to be on the camera a lot, 
um, investing in a, a different webcam is probably good. And granted, the ones yep. like on our laptops, on our MacBooks are good webcams. Yep. I mean, they're great. Sure, absolutely. But yep. if you really want to make sure you're looking as good as possible and it's a natural position for you to be in, that $20, yep. 30 $40 webcam is probably a well-worth investment. Yep. On the same side with the... Well, anyway, yeah, we'll get to we'll, we'll talk about video conferencing a little bit more in detail. We've sure. got a few more things to talk about with video conferencing in a bit. Um, but on that same note, kind of as far as equipment goes, um, headphones, you know, mm-hmm. uh, noise canceling headphones especially would be really great in these situations. You know, I think, you know, a lot of us have earbuds or things that come with our phone or maybe a lot of AirPods, wireless AirPods. They're great. I mean, those those will work fine for hearing conference calls for being a part of those. But if you really want to have a good listening experience and not be distracted by a lot of other stuff going on, noise-canceling headphones, I definitely recommend the ones that are more over-the-ear can Mm -hmm. type of things. Just means that not only can you really hear extremely well, but you're not distracted by a lot of outside noise. And uh, I think that's really important for, for listening and hearing while you're working from home. Yeah. I have a, I have a a pair that I use um, and I just use it when I'm working. I don't tend to use it when I'm video conferencing Mm -hmm. because I don't like them seeing a huge, you know, cans around my, my ears as much. Um, But I'll use it when I'm working. I'll just turn those on. uh, Maybe I have music going lightly in the background, or maybe I'll just use that as a way of blocking out everything yeah. else that's going on in the house. That's true. They're not the most really sightly important. looking uh, if you're the one leading a video yeah. conference. But, you know, um, again, if it, it just if, if it's critical that you're able to hear and not be distracted, yeah. I think that's a, yep. that's a good way to go. Yep. Um, I'll just jump in here. A couple real quick little hardware things I wanted to mention that are not going to apply to everybody, but I think some things to keep in mind. Biggest problem I have whenever I work from home is that I don't always have all the same connections or adapters or things that I do in my my work office. I'm a Mac user, and unfortunately, that's one of the trade-offs we have for being a Mac user is we have a lot of dongles that to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, my, Mac, my Mac laptop only has one type of connection on it, a USB-C connection. So everything I want to connect to it, hard drives, uh, um, anything at all, uh, connecting web, my phone webcams, to it. webcams, all speakers, that has to have yeah, adapters. Yeah. And I've got all that I set up at my work office, but when I come home, I've in the past, I've always come home and been like, Oh, well I can't even hook up half this stuff. Cause I don't have the right adapters or cables. So I just say, take a couple extra minutes and look at what it is you need to have hooked up on a regular basis. Make sure you replicate or have those same adapters at your home office, uh, so that you're not struggling to try to figure out how to connect things or make things work together. All that is doing is taking up time away from your workday uh, in a home work environment yep. and probably frustrating you a little bit too. It certainly does me. Same yep. thing for me goes with keyboards and mice, you know, just mm-hmm. if you're used to using a full size keyboard and a nice mouse uh, in a work environment, why go home and now you're using the little trackpad and your laptop keyboard? Again, it's a, it's a it's another learning curve you have to go through going bef- between your home and your work office. Again, keyboards and mice, you can get pretty inexpensively. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea to just go ahead and kind of replicate that work office in your home environment with little tools like that as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, the key is, you know, these these laptops that we have, they're made for portability. Yeah. And they're made to be able to work on your lap. They're made to be able to work on a, a on a bus. They're made to be able to work in lots of different places. But they are extremely powerful. So you can connect the external monitor to it, the keyboard to it, the uh, the speakers to it, the other things, 
and make it so that you have something as strong as maybe your desktop machine at your uh, office might be. Um, It's just you want to get away probably. If you're going to be starting to work more time on a laptop, you got to start worrying about things like, um, you know, your posture working on that laptop, the bending over and kind of looking into the, the webcam all the things that you can make that so that's a, a more comfortable working environment, I think is, is helpful. So absolutely. Um, I just want to mention one more thing, Alan, we were talking about equipment and software, but this is a really good time if you don't use it already for kind of some of the sharing features, uh, Google docs, for example, to be able oh, to work right, sure. simultaneously with someone. Uh, Slack has become a really uh, popular way of mm-hmm. kind of exchanging um, kind of work uh, information. Um, Office 365, you know, has a share feature and you may not have needed that as much if you were going to be seeing the person next to you, uh, mm. at, in the office, but now you've got to figure out a way to seamlessly work, uh, remotely. Mm-hmm. And I think those share features can be incredibly helpful. And, um, so, you know, if you're not using those already, if you're someone who has typically just used office word, Excel, and then shared things via email, well, there's, there's some other great things that you might want to dive into to make that uh, work experience a little bit uh, more effective. Well, and plus those sharing capabilities also allow better collaboration. Again, if you're not in a situation where you're used, maybe you're used to printing out something you were working on and going next door to your coworker and you sit down and work through any changes. Then you get back and make them. Well, you don't quite have that capability as easy anymore. So yeah, turning on the sharing means mm-hmm. that you can share a document on a Google Drive, on a Microsoft Office uh, account, and share it with someone. And someone has the capability of going in and editing or making changes or making notes on it. And you can work together that way. So it does give you a lot of that collaborative tools that you would that you'd normally maybe take for granted when you're working in a more traditional office environment. Yeah. 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 All right, so that's a lot of equipment the, uh, software. The elephant in the room here. Alan. Let's let's go ahead and get, dig into it. We've kind of tiptoed around it, but we are yep. now in a world where video conferencing is going to become more and more important than it ever has been yep. before. People talking over video. I mean, you turn on the TV now uh, to watch any late night shows or news programs, and more and more of the people are now having to do video conferencing to do their job. So. We're all in the same boat. I mean, Brian and I are using video conferencing right now to, yep. to record these shows. Um, it's, it's kind of our world now. So let's talk about some tips for specifically yeah. what to do about video conferencing. Well, can I, can I first of all just say, realize there are multiple ways of doing video conferencing. Yeah. Obviously, we're, we're using Zoom. My university is using Zoom. I think a lot of people across the country are using Zoom, which is a great business meeting uh, video conferencing um, uh, tool, but there's others, right? Yeah. I mean, there's Google Hangouts, there's mm-hmm. uh, Skype, there's even just FaceTime. Uh, there's lots of ways of doing it, and some of the things we're going to mention are going to be common across all of them. Uh, one thing I, I would like- mention: use headphones. Use headphones yeah. and headphones that potentially have a microphone built into them. And uh, you know, for me, there's really nothing more frustrating than being on a conference call with lots of people. And there may be one person that doesn't have the headphones and they have their speakers turned up to be able to hear what everybody's saying, but yet it's feeding right back into the microphone and everybody else hears an echo. Um, you can keep that from happening by having everybody you know, try to uh, use headphones um, so that they're hearing what needs to, to happen. They don't have to have their speakers turned up and you don't have to hear the echo of everything happening after that. Of course, I realize as you're giving this, this advice, 
Uh, this is the one time you and I have recorded where I am not wearing headphones and you probably are hearing the echo I, from the speakers in yeah, the room. So a little I, bit, a little bit. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not naming names here, <laughs> but I'm saying that there really, there is nothing more frustrating than having someone not wear their headphones during <laughs> some communication. Fine. No, this is nothing. the one time. I, can I just say that again? There is nothing more <laughs> frustrating than having someone that really doesn't follow the rules. Um, yeah. So, well, uh, if you think anyway. about it, it's true. I mean, granted, we joke about it because unfortunately I'm failing in this rule right now during this recording. But you're right. I mean, if you think about the logistics of it, I mean, if, you know, sound is coming out of your computer speakers to where anybody in the room could hear what's going on on your computer, but then you're using your microphone on your webcam or on your computer that technically means if you just follow the logic, they are now hearing themselves through loop through that. Yep. Yep. Where if you're wearing headphones, uh, only you are hearing them. They're not hearing themselves. So yeah, it makes perfect right. sense with that. Yep. Another yep, thing I'd recommend point. kind of on that same thing with, with sound and quality of sound, Brian, is you know testing. Uh, a lot of these services that you use, I know Zoom, GoToMeeting, all these things will let you in like the preferences when you're setting up They'll let you test and you can actually hear what you sound like. So the idea is Mm -hmm. you may think you've got a great microphone. You may think your sound is wonderful, but you don't want it to be where everybody listening to you now, you sound horrible because your voice is muddled, you're too far away from the microphone or whatever. So I really recommend whatever service you use, like for example, in Zoom, you can go to the preferences in Zoom and say you want to test your connection or do an audio or video test. And it will let you like hear what it's going to sound like when somebody's talking to you. And then it'll let you, it'll record you for a few seconds talking, play it back for you. So you can hear what they're, they're going to hear when you get on the call with them. To me, it's invaluable because I just, I don't ever want to be that person on a call and leading a a large conversation and hardly anybody can hear me really well. And I don't realize it, you know, and, uh, that and then of course if somebody lets you know in the middle of a call that your call's not great, your audio is not great, you gotta stop and deal with that and try to figure it out. It's something you can test in advance with these tools and make sure that you're sounding as good as you think you are. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, lighting, lighting oh, yeah. is uh, an important thing with video conferencing. I mentioned to you that I have a, I have an external webcam now that I'm using. It has a little light ring around it, and so it provides uh, a little bit of of light, which is helpful. But test out, test out your lighting, uh, very similar to the way you're saying, test out your audio, test out your video and see whether it provides your, um, other conference goers, the, the image that you are hoping for. So Mm. an easy way to think of this is if you were going to have someone take a picture of you, you know, how you always try to move and say, okay, where is it that the light is in my face rather than behind me, right? Same same thing applies. If you set up your office uh, environment where you know I happen to be in a tricky spot, and then I have skylights back behind mm-hmm. me, if it gets really bright back there, all of a sudden I have a shadow on my face, and you can't yeah. see who I am. I was on a video conference the other day, and you know the person was in front of a window, yeah. and all I could see was a shadow Just of them. So outline. I can't see things yeah. like facial expressions and all of that, mm-hmm. which which you know, make this much less personable. I mean, the video conferencing can be extremely personable. You can see body language, you can see interactions as long as you're setting it up uh, correctly. So I would suggest if you don't already have a, maybe a desk light, something that you can even put behind your monitor, uh, turn it on. It doesn't have to be directly in your face, but it needs to light from the the front so Mm -hmm. that people can see, uh, 
see your uh, your smiling face. So well, and here's a, here's even a little cheap, quickie option that people always forget. Let's say you don't have a good desk light or a webcam light, and you're in a little bit of a darker office or darker space at your home. Um, remember that if you're right in front of your computer or you've got an external monitor, those monitors and that uh, laptop screen or computer mm-hmm. screen has a brightness. And yep. I've had to use this in a couple situations where I'm somewhere that doesn't have a good lighting. I just turned the brightness up on my computer screen and my other secondary monitor, turn it up as high as it'll go and let that cast a little bit of light on my face. Again, it's not ideal, but if it's just yep. a key matter of making sure people can see you and that's all you have to work with, it's actually not bad. Now, I do recommend in those situations, if you've got an external monitor, go to a as clean a white screen as possible, yep. whether it's yep. a uh, a website with just a lot of text and not a lot of graphics, something that's a lot of bright white space. That'll shine really nicely on your face and at least give you a little bit of a better glow and you'll look a little better. Yeah. Again, it doesn't rival a dedicated camera light or desk light, but in a pinch, it, it will help. So, No, it's good. I mean, even turn your, your desktop image to blank, to white. Yeah, just a blank you know, white so screen. You're, you're back, just let that yeah, shine background up on, on your you. desktop. So That's all of a right. sudden you get more brightness. Yeah. Simple, easy, quick way to do it. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, you always see these jokes or even commercials that joke about like video conference calls and people who just don't quite manage their own volume or their ability to speak very well. Uh, and the, a couple of these other ones are going to be keying right into like kind of these stereotypes, but this idea of when you're on a video conference call and you're not the one talking, you're maybe just the one listening, uh, put yourself on mute. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes if you're in a classroom setting, the, the instructor will do it for you. They'll actually put you yep. on mute. But if you don't, yep. if you're not being regimented like that, do it anyway. And uh, I know it can be problematic if you do decide to speak up and you forget to turn it off on mute and you got to remember to do that. But the background noise, all the other sounds that could creep in when you're not on mute, even things like sniffing and sneezing and mm-hmm. coughing, all of that, if you don't put yourself on mute, you have no idea how loud it could be for everybody else or distracting for everybody else listening on the call. So just play it safe and go on mute unless you absolutely know you're getting ready to say something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And get, and get really proficient at turning yourself on and off with mute, right? Yeah. Find out where that is, whether it's on Skype or if it's on Zoom um, and get very proficient with it. So when that question does pop up that you're supposed to chime in, that there's not a lot of fumbling to go figure out how to unmute yourself and vice versa, but practice that. And uh, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's well, a really important thing. Most of these software applications like Zoom or GoToMeeting actually have a keyboard shortcut for mute. So if it's not mm-hmm. something where you want to figure out trying to move your your mouse cursor to find the mute button on the screen, if you just learn the keyboard command and just have it kind of ready, like, up, oh, yep. that's what I press. I do that uh, command M for mute and command M mm-hmm. to unmute me and just kind of yep. get in the habit of doing it. That's a much quicker way to do it as well. No, I agree. Um, on that same note about kind of video conferencing faux pas, um, (laughs) you know, check your surroundings and kind of have an idea of what those surrounding problems might be. Uh, for example, I'm in a little bit of an issue here and that right behind me is a stairway going downstairs. And so that means that it's very possible 
if my wife doesn't know that I'm on a, a conference mm-hmm. call, she may start to come up the stairs, then realize, panic, see that I'm on the conference call and turn around. And that, of course, distracts everybody else that's watching. Um, I think we've all probably seen the viral video of <laughs> the guy on a conference call and the kid behind, you know, his young child comes in and starts to, you know, uh, kind of distract everybody else uh, from behind. So I think checking your surroundings, uh, getting an idea of what those surroundings look like and what could potential uh, disruptions be yeah. try to minimize those as much as possible. Um, you know, Zoom has a really cool feature of adding a background so that oh, it right. almost treats your background as a green screen and kind of puts you somewhere else. And that's to help some of those distractors go away and maybe even change them to you know a, a nighttime scene or something. But uh, but I think that's that's helpful. I mean, there's lots of like I said, there's lots of those mistakes that have happened and people have gotten caught uh, having uh, uh, kind of embarrassing situations. Absolutely. Happen, so. Yeah, no, I, I definitely give it a kind of a test run, make sure you know how it's going to look. Think about those scenarios, who could be walking behind you, who could be able to be in the frame here. And I'm in, in my little studio set up and there's a door behind me with glass. <laughs> so if somebody walks by that door, I mean, it's totally, you could see them walk yep. by um, little things like that. You just got to keep yep. in mind. Um, yeah. Can I, can I add something really quick on that, Alan? Um, cause it's, it's in line with that as well because of things like zoom, um, and zoom specifically, I think, uh, Skype's going to do a similar thing, but you know, some of those features when you're, when you're in that conference call that it is set up to be full screen and zoom has a feature that says, oh, okay, well, whoever's talking, we're going to put their face front and center. Mm-hmm. So all you're seeing is whoever's talking So make it's very meeting, uh, uh, meeting oriented. Well, you know, in a case like a classroom where I may have 30 or 40 students all, you know, on the same call, one thing that people maybe fail to realize is that you're still being recorded or you're still being, you know, your image is still <laughs> uh, potentially being broadcast to others, even though you're not on the screen. So you may look and yeah. go, well, they're on the screen. So nobody else is seeing them. Oh, good call. And, you know, you've probably seen the video of someone, you know, maybe going to the bathroom and deciding oh, yeah. they're just listening. So nobody knows what's happening. Um, those are things to watch out for too. And just realize that your, your camera's still on, you're still getting videoed, even though you may not be front and center on your screen, you may be in someone else's gallery view and you, everybody can see what you're doing. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's true. It's like, all these services have a way of recording the calls, which is great. Meaning you can record your video conferences, but, um, the one person's head up at a time is a display preference when you're actually watching the webinar. It is still recording and you can still view everybody's face at the same time if you choose to in the recording. So good call on that for sure. Um, And this is a big one for me. We're probably getting a little more down the road for people who who are leading webinars, but I mean, there's a fair number of people out there doing that. Um, Test out some of the things you plan to do in a webinar or a video conference in advance. I'm talking about things like if you're going to share your desktop, if you're going to pull up a document to share with somebody, make sure you've tried that out before you do it. I've sat through way too many video conferences where somebody is just deciding to try out a new feature they've never done before, <laughs> like sharing a, a image they've got and they've never done it before. So it takes several minutes for them to figure it out. And it's annoying and takes up valuable time. Everybody's trying to trying to save. So test these things out. If you're going to share a spreadsheet, Try going up on your Zoom or go to meeting service. Do a private one to begin with and just try pulling up the the the, uh, the documents and make sure you can do it the right way. You know, most yep. of these services will let you share your desktop or share a window that you have pulled up. 
just make sure you know and you're comfortable how to do that. And on that same note, um, you wrote this note down, Brian, but I'm, I'm so glad you did. Uh, I'm really finicky about if I know I'm going to be in a webinar and I'm going to be sharing my desktop or sharing something on my computer, I clear off everything off my desktop, uh, other files, you know, uh, I don't want people to be able to see the names of files on my desktop. I don't want to have a cluttered desktop. So I make sure it's a clean desktop. So that way, if I do need to go to my desktop at any point to bring up a file to show them, at least they're not looking at this huge cluttered desktop of files all over the place. Um, yep. I actually have a utility that mm-hmm. I know I don't, I didn't really plan for like a brothers and tech suggestion for this episode, but I will say this would probably be the one I would give if we were going to have yep. one. And it's called one switch. It's a utility I have installed on my Mac that up in my menu bar, it gives me several things I can do with this one switch. Uh, things like automatically play a playlist on iTunes. I can have uh, my my computer not go to sleep for a certain amount of time. So if I want to have to stay awake for a long period of time, other things like that. But one of the switches on there is to hide all my desktop items. So in other words, when I flip that switch, everything on my desktop disappears. It's still there. It's just hiding it. So if I'm doing a webinar or doing a video conferencing and there's a chance I may need to show my desktop at some point, it's fine. I don't have to worry about it. I just say, go ahead and hide my desktop items. It's a nice, clean desktop. And then when I am done with the call, I can go back and switch it back off and all my desktop items show back up. And it's just a little peace of mind that, you know, my file labeled (laughs) lawsuit or something (laughs) is not just showing up on my desktop for people to wonder and question about, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yep. Yeah. Your, your, your receipt for adult diapers (laughs) that you have on your your desktop. That's my business. I don't need anybody else to see it. So, right. Um, (laughs) No, you know, that's, it's funny because uh, it's something you don't think a lot about, but um, you know, from someone who goes in and teaches classes, uh, quite often that I'll go in, plug my computer in, and then happen to realize that, wait a minute, my email is yeah. up and seeing you know, students are seeing it right now without me recognizing that it's up there. Those are the things that have made me ultra aware of it and yeah. to make sure that, um, okay, clear everything else off, make sure that when you share your screen, they're seeing only what you want them to see and not everything else that you've been working on or doing. And, um, so, you know, at a minimal, at a, at a minimum, at least quit every other application that you have yeah, prior to starting true. that video conference. Right. But I love the, uh, the app. You actually mentioned that a few episodes ago and I've been using it and it's fantastic. The one yeah. switch to, you know, uh, use that. So cool. I think that's, I think that's great. Well, that's a lot of good advice. I mean, I think there's probably some more I'm sure we could come up with, but I think that's the main things that I know you and I have experienced when doing our own work from home situation. And I hope as more and more people are trying to kind of get adjusted to doing that in their own lives that, uh, Hopefully some of these things are helpful there. So Yeah, and Alan, since since we didn't do bits, um, I'll just mention one quick thing and you can uh, there's lots of different options of this, but also make sure that you are taking appropriate breaks at home. I think it can be very easy now that you don't have your commute time to all of a sudden progress late into the night working when before sure. you knew, hey, five o'clock everybody's leaving, or you know, whatever that time everybody else is going, remind you to leave. I would get creative about trying to set timers and Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you're someone like me who has a a watch that 
tells you to stand up every once in a while, maybe yeah. going into the settings and saying, you know what, how about doing that every 30 minutes instead of every hour? Uh, or there are some really interesting little simple timers you can put on your computer that will throw a notification up that says, you know, take a break, right? Take a two minute mm -hmm. break. Um, and I think those are helpful ways to make sure that this transition doesn't become more stressful than it already is. So that's a good um, point. That's Just, my, that's know, my bit for today. So really it's the two, it's the two spectrums. It's a structuring your day and your time so yep. that you can be productive and you not get distracted and other things get in your way. But on the other end, don't let it go too far that you don't take care of yourself and don't yeah, that you're too comfortable. It's get too up and easy walk to work and all right? that. Right. Yeah. So yep. it's a, it's a management. I'll say working from home, it's not my preference at all. I, I am much more of a work in an office environment. I'm much better in an office environment. I have to force myself to get good at working at home. Uh, but these tips and things that we just described here are, are big things that I think helped me get a little better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's great. Well, and hopefully next time we do one of these, you'll actually be wearing clothes because this has been, <laughs> it's been incredibly huh? difficult for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has been. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great for me. I don't know what's wrong when you're in, but uh, yeah, I'm totally I, comfortable I just, with it. <laughs> I'm just, you know, this is also probably a really good time to mention everybody sanitize, sanitize, <laughs> sanitize. <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Oh, uh, I'm going to uh, go sanitize right now from having been on this call with you. Clean but, out your uh, eyeballs a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Right. Again, I hope everybody's being safe and and taking care of themselves out there. I know it's uh, some some differences in the world right now. Some things are changing. Uh, we're here to help. So if you have any questions, ideas, thoughts, or just maybe your own work from home suggestions, we we could share them in some follow up uh, episodes yeah. as well. Please feel free to write us. That email address is info at themesh.tv. That's I-N-F-O at themesh, T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us how it's going, any kind of uh, issues you're running into from a work-from-home situation or maybe ideas that have helped you out. We can share with other people. We'd be happy to do that. So that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Good. All right. Good All right. luck. Good luck, everybody. Yeah. Thanks a lot for listening. This has been Brothers in Tech. We'll be resuming back to our, kind of our regular schedule with the next episode, but uh, we felt like this was a good one to drop in. Uh, take care, everyone. We'll look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.